Spring Hill City Church. Please stand and worship with us this morning. We're so glad you're here. too cold, just right. And so we're happy that you're all able to come here. 
Um, and we're just happy to have you. If you can go around and greet somebody and thank you to anybody new who's here. We're just, what a blessing that you came. Um, go and meet somebody you haven't met. Give them a hug, shake their hand, and thank you for coming. God is fighting for 
God, we're just, I'm so, I'm so overwhelmed, God, by you. And I'm so overwhelmed and grateful for that thought. Our God is fighting for us always, and we are never alone. So many times where we feel like, where are you, God? We can't see you. I can't see you, God. I can't feel you, God. Where are you? And he's always there. All he's waiting for is for us to just take his hand. Just to surrender for a moment, to surrender our fears, to surrender our doubts, to surrender anger, hurt, to lay it down and to say, I would rather hold your hand instead. God, just be near to us today. Let your presence fill this place. I pray in the place, God, of discontentment, of hurt, in a place of not knowing, I speak peace into those places in your heart right now in the name of Jesus. And I speak contentment because our God is for us, not against us. Our God will never leave us, never forsake us doesn't want us to be alone. In our times of hurting the most, he's all around. It takes a lot sometimes to surrender those things that we hold close to us because we think that's what's gonna get us through when all he's saying is just let it go, I'm here. Just let it go this morning. Just surrender to him today.
seduce me to your love. You picked up all my pieces. You picked up all my pieces. You put me back together. You are the step of faith this morning and give it to him take a moment and say god i can't i can't do this on my own anymore i can't deal with this on my own and just give it to him right now and receive peace for it receive grace for it receive contentment for it this morning he wants to exchange your ashes this morning for his beauty he wants to exchange your heaviness this morning for his joy if you would just take one moment to surrender in his presence right now there is fullness of joy there is healing in this place Peace. 
in place of that this morning, I want you to sing, Lord, I'm gonna praise. Declare that in your life today. Lord, I'm gonna worship. Lord, I'm gonna worship. Lord, I'm gonna bow down to you today. Lord, I'm gonna bow down. I'm just gonna stay still. And I'm just gonna stay still. Sing that one more time to our Father today. Lord, I'm gonna praise. Lord, I'm gonna worship. Fill this place with this praise today. Lord, I'm gonna bow down. And I'm just gonna stay still. Just stay still a moment in His presence this morning. Let him work on your heart today. moment of surrender I, I pray and I declare that this moment in time this moment is sealed for all eternity God this moment where we take a step forward into you where we leave it all behind God where we just we drop it and we chase you let, let it be a time where we declare that over ourselves over our families God over our finances our jobs our schools our neighborhoods, God. Help us to stand for you, to know who you are in our lives and to know that you're working, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. You, God, are always on our side. You, God, will always defend us. I thank you, God. I thank you for that love, that never-ending grace and mercy. I pray that you would wrap us up in it right now that we would live the rest of the day, the rest of this week, God, showing others that this is the kind of life that they can have with Jesus Christ in their life. This is the kind of life that they can have knowing the Father personally and intimately, each and every day growing closer toward Him. God, just fill this place right now with your presence. Open our minds and our ears. Let us learn something new from you today. God, challenge us. Help us to grow. Let us become new people, better people, people who are more aware of you and who are ready and willing to run this race of life, God, with you ahead of us and behind us, God, every side fighting our battles. We just thank you for it and we praise you for it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you, God. Can you just give him some praise this morning, amen. church, Come on. for the work that he did today? Thank you, God. Amen, amen. You guys can be seated. Tell the person next to you, his way is better. His way is better. That part really stuck out in that, in that song to me, his way is better. And uh, we believe that at Hill City Church. Welcome, welcome. Hope everyone's doing well on this nice, cool day. Less hot, maybe. Someone told me that there's no such thing as cold. It's only less hot. Like, okay. 
In July, yeah. Well, apparently there's everything's zero, and then there's heat. So anyway, whatever. Maybe there's some scientists in here that can talk about that. Um, all I know is just thinking about this. Uh, it was hot, right? Uh, and I went up to the. We went up to the mountains, and I was thinking to escape the heat in Colorado. It's so easy. You just go up about an hour, and you gain two. Yeah, I was like, whoo! I don't know. You gain two to three thousand feet. You can't do that in Mississippi as easy. But uh, in Colorado, you can go up, and it was 15 degrees cooler where we were. Right? It was beautiful. So I was thinking about like a little bit of the analogy with God. Like, go up. You guys following me? You feel the heat in life, man. Sometimes go up. You know, praise God and um and uh, have him um, be closer to you and you closer to him. You guys, and uh, I'm going to continue in our, uh, I have a few announcements, um, and I want to get some guys assembled so we can uh, receive the offering this morning. Um, August 5th, uh, we're coming up, we're doing uh, baptisms, and uh, baptisms, thank you. Uh, I think we have a slide on it, but uh, baptisms is where we uh, proclaim Jesus as Lord in our life, and we publicly proclaim that in the in the symbolic uh, way of, of being submerged in water. So uh, we're doing baptisms. We're doing them here. And uh, so if you're interested, reach out. Uh, go on our app or, um, you know, there's a, us at the uh, Welcome Center. We're ha- happy to answer any questions of that. So prepare for that. And there's someone that you know that would like to be baptized and hasn't done that or would like to do it again, uh, we could certainly uh, do that. So uh, August 5th, we're doing that. August 12th, we're giving, uh, we're taking a Sunday morning off. Everyone okay with that? No. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, it's summertime. People take Sundays off all the time. So we're going to replace August 12th, Sunday morning here. We're not going to be having a service here at, at Shadow Ridge. We're going to be doing a worship night, um, which is a, at a house around 15 minutes away. So just mark your calendars, and we'll be very communicative about this over the next month. Uh, but we're going to be instead replacing Sunday morning with a Sunday night worship uh, experience. And we're going to do that in a more of a family kind of fellowship setting. So it's going to be at uh, the Bielman's house. A lot of you have been there before. If not, we'll definitely have directions. And like I said, it's only about 10 minutes from here. So no service Sunday morning. Instead of we're going to do worship and fire. Uh, uh, sounds That sounds intense, worship and fire. Uh, but worship by the fire is really what it should say. So we're going to do that uh, on Sunday night. Amen? Amen. And then uh, last but not least, we are going to be... Um, we, we kicked this off last Sunday. I'm not going to go too much into the details, but uh, we're, we're, we're launching into a, into a project uh, at Hill City Church called Bold Change. Say, Bold Change. Bold Change. So we are, um, we are going through a, 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 some... Um, just uh, some consulting with some outside, uh, um, uh, an outside strate- uh, church health strategy is what it's called. And it's really to help us uh, improve the way we, we do church as an organization. So nothing's wrong, nothing's broken. We're not trying to like, you know, like it's, it's bad, but we're, we're just trying to be our very best and give our very best to you. Amen. Um, that's leaders, that's server, that's anyone who serves. And then you guys who, who call this your home. So my only ask of you uh, over the next month is to please go online, go onto Facebook or our website or our app. And please, there's a, there's a survey on there. We'd love for you guys to participate with us and hear from you. It's your one chance, uh, not your one chance, but it's one of your chances to, to really go on and anonymously give some feedback about, uh, you know, so, so it's a, there's some several questions about, uh, about the church and how we can improve. So uh, we'll take that as one input and help us springboard into the future. And so we're calling that bull change. We're excited about it. And I hope you guys partner with us. This isn't just a, a leader thing. This is us as a church doing this together. Um, so go on our, all our digital, digital channels and, and find that survey. Uh, it's, it's open through the end of July. If you want a paper copy and you don't feel comfortable with the internet or you don't have access to the internet or any of those things, we'd be happy to provide a paper copy to you as well so you can fill that out. All right. Uh, with that, I'm going to invite Phil Thomas up. He's uh, not you, Isaac, not yet. No, we're going to invite Phil. And 
Phil uh, has got his shirt on. You can't really see it. It says Despo 2018. So Phil's going to share a little bit about uh, what happened this week with our students uh, at Desperation 2018. So uh, give him a hand as he shares a little about what happened. Hi, my name's Phil. I'm one of our many youth leaders, and we have just awesome youth leaders at this church. So I'd like to recognize them first. So would all the youth leaders stand up or volunteers that went on the Desperation Conference tour? If we had maybe just Tino and Mo back here, give a huge round of applause to those guys. They put in their time, their talents, their energy to organize all this stuff. And it's a year-long process, guys. We're praying over this. We're getting the students ready. We're getting the leaders ready to go on these trips, and it takes a lot of effort. So just really thank those guys. And also, I just want to give another round of applause to our worship team. Our worship team is awesome. We just give it up to them for a minute here. Just give them some claps. There was a lot of worship at the Desperation Conference, and, like, there was elevation worship, mosaic worship. And honestly, like, if elevation worship came here, I'd be like, you guys could sing Come to the Altar, but Jen and our team, they get the other three songs, okay? It is that good. And they really just bring in the presence of God for us to get us prepared for the Word. And they do an excellent job of that. So thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. So now I am going to talk about the Desperation Conference a little bit. Um, It's just an amazing experience. The presence of God is really with the students for three days, which is a long time. And it's a very purifying experience. And the kids have a number of different reactions. We had kids who cried. We had kids who just had nothing but joy the whole time in the presence of the worship. We had kids who were just like, who is this Jesus guy? People will not stop talking about him. We got 4,000 kids here throwing their hands up like, what is going on? They're in the presence of the Lord and they just don't even know what to do. That's how awesome it is. So I encourage you, you know, if your kids didn't go this year, we're planning for 2019. We're planning to go back. And we had 20 kids this year. So let's grow that. Let's have 30 kids next year. Let's plan on that. Because again, the experience is amazing. As leaders, we get to spend a lot of time with the kids. We answer a lot of questions. I mean, your kids have like crazy awesome questions. I think I spent like three hours the first night. I was like, guys, we're going to go to bed at 11. They're like, no. I'm just going to keep asking you questions till like 2 in the morning. I'm like, sweet, let's just keep going. And um, and just being there with them, being able to address some of their questions and, and really just telling them and guiding them towards the Lord because that's where it all comes from, all the answers. It's just such a privilege. So um, the whole experience was awesome. We're going to show you a video in just a second. And I just want you guys to tune in and really just look at those images and the joy that the kids experience.
Paul, but again, if you're interested or have questions about Despo for this upcoming year, just please come talk to us. We would love to share with you. Talk amongst yourselves, as John would say. All right, beach balls next week. You guys ready? We're going bigger, though. We're going to have, like, even bigger ones. No. You guys can come forward, and uh, we'll, we'll, um, we'll receive the offering this morning. It's just such a cool experience to do what the kids got to do. So thank you guys for, for making it happen. And uh, thank you, church family, for giving, for buying all the burritos and all the other food that we sold and eating those glorious breakfasts. Um, a lot of the kids couldn't do it without that. So those are, these are not trivial uh, investments that we make in our students. Amen. God, thank you for this morning, for this time of worship. God, we continue in our giving, uh, not just of our time and our, and, our, and our talents this morning, God, but also our treasure, our money, uh, that thing that is so hard to let go of sometimes. Um, we think it's mine, and God, we, we believe here at Hill Study Church that it's yours, and we just, we just get to borrow some of it, God, but we give it to you freely with a cheerful heart this morning, God, that you would bless not only this church, God, we're just a, church, we're just a bunch of people coming together, God, but that we would be a, an extension of your kingdom and make an impact on Thornton and beyond, and God, that's why we give, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, you guys can start handing those out, and... Um, John and Candace are on their annual cruise, um, so Candace and I have a bet. Well, I don't think I've t- it's not a bet; it's like a pack. Candace is uh, Pastor John's wife, and um, she she's never backpacked before. Anybody like backpacking in here? Nobody. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, back there. All right. So she is not a camper. This is her mom. So she, is she a camper, would you say, or a backpacker? No. But she's kind of an outdoor girl. She grew up doing horses. So she kind of gives off this nice, like, but she's a pretty outdoorsy girl when you really break it down. But uh, I have a pack that if I go, I'll go backpacking. Uh, she has to go backpacking, and then someday I'll go on a cruise. So um, I think I got the better end of the deal there. Um, but so they're gone. Uh, so with that, we have Isaac from Urban Outreach, who's going to speak this morning. Um, so really thrilled. I think this is your first time speaking here, right? Is this your first time speaking? Second. All right. Well, first time I've seen you, so. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Why don't, yeah, that was um, how, how memorable it was the first time. Whatever. I wasn't here. All right. Why don't you come on up and give him a hand? And if that's good. 
Um, and I'm not going to say too much, but uh, about two months ago, we kicked off a little bit of a campaign where we wanted to raise some money for Urban Outreach. And uh, we're partnered with you guys. We've been for, it's been about two or three years now, probably. Um, but they're, they're doing a pretty big revamp of their um, of your facility. And you could talk more about it. I don't want to talk about that. But part of what we wanted to do, and John pledged with us, was to help buy them a, a big walk-in fridge. Um, and so uh, we kicked it off a little while ago, and we, uh, we wanted to give you this check. Um, I know this seems a little formality. I wanted to get one of those big checks, you know, but those cost like $200, and I don't think that'd be a good use of funds. But uh, um, we get, this is a check for, uh, for $2,500. And um, You want to take us out to lunch? We can. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we just want to say, you know, it's 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 uh, you know, when we talk about giving, it's it's about uh, making a big and making a difference, right? Which sometimes we think about church about keeping the lights on and paying salaries and and those things. But sometimes you, we want to make sure that you guys know that we take all these dollars very seriously and we want to put them to the best use possible. And so, thank you, Isaac, for giving us a place to live out our mission locally. Um, sometimes mission gets squishy, but it gives us a place and Jamie, your wife to give us a place to go to. Um, and it's hard sometimes to say, I, I want to go serve. And there are so many opportunities, but for us to partner with someone on, on, for the long road is really critical to our mission and our vision here. So that's just one small token of us saying we're partnering with you guys and not only our time, but also our treasure, our talents and everything. So, um, we love you guys and I'm excited for you. So I'm going to pray real quick. Um, and excited to see this, this fridge <laughs> and all the different things that they're doing. It's just one part of everything they're doing. So God, thank you for this morning again. Uh, for Isaac, I pray that, that you would uh, just, um, God, that we would open up right now with Hill City Church and the family. For those of us in this room, for those watching online, for those tuning in, God, that right now we just center our hearts. God, center our spirits, God. At this moment, we can't get back right now. God, that on July 15th, 2018, Isaac's speaking, and we get to hear this moment, God. So we take it right now. We're alive with breath in our lungs. We thank you for that, God. Your way is better. And I pray right now, God, we would just tune in to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you all so much. And like I, I always say this on Thursday nights, why don't you all give yourselves a round of applause. You guys are awesome. I want to say thank you so much. I didn't expect that. That, that just blows my mind. And um, strangely enough, it, it helps me kind of get into what I wanted to share this morning because it's amazing. I, I, I'm truly humbled. And, and is Paul Cervantes here? Like he's been spending a lot of time at the building and it's been fun getting to know him. I'm calling you out, Paul. Where are you? But um, I want to just, you know, again, you guys are amazing. Um, we are like this last Thursday, y'all don't even know, like we had for the very first time this last Thursday at community dinner, it was our 269th dinner on Thursday night was the very first time that Jamie and I didn't have to bring dishes home and wash them at home. We had a sink that was for the first time usable in our building in, in five years plus of doing dinners like that. So like it was so, it was just crazy because we had, we hosted a team from uh, Missouri and you know, these teenagers are back there washing loads of dishes and I'm like, just looking at them like, they don't even know. It was just so easy for them to just grab the dishes, walk to the sink and wash the dishes. They had no idea how awesome that was for me to just behold. It was incredible. And, you know, it's, it's just been an amazing journey. And I say this all the time, but it's so true, is that we absolutely would not be there if it weren't for churches like you. It's just the truth. And um, 
so if I try to tie this in, what I you know, again, this this caught me off guard, but I, I'm trying to it, it it plays into it because I can remember, you know, Jamie and I taking this leap of faith, and by no means like you know those of you who know us maybe a little bit more know how <laughs> flawed we are, like we're not perfect, okay? So, but people trying to take this leap of faith for God trying to respond in obedience to what they feel God leading them uh, to do, you know, that's what it's all about. And, and when that happens, that comes from a place, a certain place in your life where you don't want to settle for second best. Like you want the best that, God's, that God wants for you, right? Like no one is sitting there aiming to be average, you know? Like, I mean, there's certain, there's certain places, let's, let, let's be honest, where it's like a give and take. Like this summer for me, I'm aiming for average when it comes to, like, yard work. If I can just cut the grass at least every other week, like, that's winning for me this summer, like, seriously. And, uh, you know, I, I actually love to do yard work, so it's, like, hard for me to see, like, dandelions or, like, just it's not, like, a pristine edge on the, you know, like, that's hard. But, like, sometimes you just have to aim for average. But in life in general, we don't aim for average. We don't aim for mediocre. Like, we, you know, mediocre isn't a place we just, like, try to attain. Like, it's a place we accidentally drift into. Right, Medio mediocrity is a place we just kind of slide into, and and before we realize it, we've arrived at this place where we're like, man, how did I get here? And you know, all these little things that that you know, well, well, they are little things, but they're big things to us. But seemingly little things sometimes along the way, whether it's here at Hill City, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in you know work, family related, urban outreach, like there are little things along the way that will, you know, be a signal for you from God that it's like God saying, I told you so. Like, I told you that if you would just, you know, take a leap of faith or take a bet, take a risk on me, that like, that I would provide, that I would take care. And things may not be, you know, perfect or the way you dreamed maybe they would be or, you know, exactly the way you want them to be at some given point, but they're certainly not what they used to be. And, and you keep striving, you know, for what's best. You keep striving for the best. So mediocrity is something that can happen in every aspect of our lives. And so this morning, I kind of want to explore that a little bit, the, 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 you know, being committed to mediocrity, almost in a maybe a not-so-clever play of words, but the lure uh, of mediocrity, right? Like, like how do we make a course correction after we discover that we have been like ravaged by mediocrity. How do we, how do we get out of that rut? How do we get to a place where we're like no longer drifting toward mediocrity? Obviously, the Bible has so many wonderful examples for us to, to look at, and not just in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. You see, there's an amazing story in the book of Numbers. Um, I want to summarize this story for us, but we're going to be reading out of Numbers 32 this morning. And um, see, that's how you know. It was, it's not my first time. I mean, I, you know, it's like I had to, I had to wait for that, you know. Um, even though the first time was apparently not very memorable. But um, 
I've heard it said like this, you can't remember every meal you've ever eaten, right? But they've all played their role in keeping you alive and getting you here today, right? It's just so every sermon, don't beat yourself up. You don't remember every sermon, but spiritually speaking, they keep you alive and they keep you going, okay? So just a little food for thought. But Numbers chapter 32, here's, here's what we have. We have um, Israel, okay? They've been wandering the desert for 40 years. And they're finally at the point where they are right outside the promised land. They've been wandering the desert. They're just, you know, right outside the promised land. They're getting ready to, like, take this land that has been promised to them, that they've heard about for generations, and here they are. Right before they get into the promised land, you got two tribes who decide that they're not going to cross over and go into the promised land. These are Reuben and Gad, and they, they, they're, they're, you know, they're noticing kind of their surroundings. They're not quite in the promised land. It's just, just over there, but they kind of realize, well, this land right here is pretty good looking. This, this land right here is pretty, pretty cool. Like, it, it's, it's suitable for us. It was suitable for them because they were herdsmen. They had large flocks. And so when, when they look around and they realize that the land that they're already in is quite suitable for their flocks, they realize, well, maybe we don't have to go over there. We can just stay right here. Like our flocks are good right here. There's plenty of land for our flocks to grow. And uh, let, let's go talk to Moses and see what he says about this. They tell Moses and he, he gets angry with them. He's like, are you going to tell me you've been wandering in the desert for the last 40 years and here we are about to go into the promised land and now you're coming up with this plan like, I don't, I don't want to go into the promised land? Moses gets angry with them because they've settled for second best. I mean, what could be better than the promised land that God himself promises your people? So M Moses is angry and, and, and after, you know, talking to God, right? Moses was a man who talked to God face to face. Moses prays about this, and, and God, being sovereign, lets this happen. So Moses says, okay, you will be allowed to stay here, but not until you have helped us, right, take the promised land. So first, you've got to cross the Jordan with us. You've got to help us take the land, and then you can come back, and you can settle here. So they were allowed to settle for second best. So I want to look at four reasons here, four things that lured these tribes into mediocrity because they still exist today. The first is this, they were blinded by their blessings, okay? These tribes, as I said, were like amazing herdsmen. I don't know what goes into being an excellent herdsman. Maybe you got an awesome looking staff and like you can like whoop that staff, you can whoop any lion with that staff. I have no idea, but they were really good herdsmen. They knew how to protect their flock, right? They, they were blessed with large flocks, so whatever they were doing was allowing those flocks to, to flourish, but they allowed their present blessings to determine future opportunities. Let's read it uh, here in Numbers 32. Let's read the first maybe five or six verses. Numbers 32 verses 1 through 5 says, the Reubenites and Gadites who had very large herds and flocks saw that the lands of Jazer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the community and said, Adaroth, I'm going to butcher these, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliela, Sebam, Nebo, and Beon, the land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel are suitable for livestock. And your servants have livestock. If we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Do not make us cross the Jordan. 
Let's read verse 6. So Moses said to the Gadites and Reubenites, Should your fellow Israelites go to war while you sit here? This morning, what are some blessings that you might be thinking about? You see, because what these tribes were doing was they were looking at their opportunities kind of through the lens or through the filter of the current blessings they were already living in. They couldn't get beyond what they already had that they perceived to be from God. Now, maybe they were, they probably were, but, but they couldn't see beyond those because they, they, they wanted to keep those blessings close. They wanted to continue living in proximity to those past blessings God had already given them. So for them, it was their herds and the flocks and the lands that were suitable to maintain them. But for us today, what would that look like? It could be physical blessings. It could be financial, certainly relational. It could be giftings that we have, things that we're good at, that we like to continue to be good at because we perceive that as, well, God, you've blessed me with this ability to do this or that, and, and you might be leading me here, but it's going to really interrupt this flow I got going on, right? Because they didn't just have herds, they had great herds. Think about things in your life that might be unparalleled, things you can, that you can do that no one else can do, things you're really good at that maybe very few people are good at. And how can these blessings in our lives actually hinder us? How can, how can blessings blind us? Like how, how can something good from God that he's allowed to come into our lives, how, how can they actually limit us while they limit God's will in our life? See, we can limit God's will by only doing things or allowing ourselves to be part of things that complement our current blessings. Like, like we, we, you know, if, if, if we're doing something, we're a part of something in our life that doesn't, or, or there's something coming our way, an opportunity that, that doesn't seem to complement what we're already a part of that God is blessing, automatically we have this tendency to think, well, that's not from God because that's disrupting this current blessing that I have. That must not, that can't be from God. So we, we don't even give it a chance to be real in our lives or from God because it, it doesn't complement a current blessing, so we discard it. And what happens is we forget that God's blessings were never meant to be a campsite. They were meant to be a footstool. Like God's blessings were, were you know, it's like clogging up the pipeline. You know, Paul Cervantes built this awesome series of pipes that go all over the place because our building is like over 100 years old. And, and I was so scared to get into this project. And Paul's like, oh, it'll be good. Like, it'll work. I'm like, oh, you don't even know, dude. Like, you just don't know. Because like, you, have, you don't know what you're going to encounter, right? And it's the unknown. But without, without just going into it, like, there will be no progress, I'll be honest, it kind of, like, I love adventure in certain things, in certain areas. Like, I love the mountains. I love, I love all that. But I was afraid to go into this project. Like, I was like, I, I just know we're going to encounter things that are going to scare me to death. Like, that, I, that, you know, the building might be condemned. You know, the, the city's going to shut us down. Like, who knows? And Paul's like, no, it'll be all right. It's, it's cool. Well, you know, Paul has a lot more vision than I did in that moment. And I'm like sitting there thinking, wow, okay, this nut, like, these teens, like, I would have had a mountain of dishes yet again this last Thursday. Well, Jamie does most of them. I'll, I'll help her. I dry. I dry the dishes. But that wouldn't have been possible. 
We can allow God's blessings to stall the progress he wants to make in our lives. Or we overvalue the visible. We put too much value on tangible blessings instead of unseen promises that God has given us. Like the land around me is good for my flocks. I see it as being more than suitable and adequate for my flocks to flourish. Never mind this promise from God of this promised land that our descendants would, would inhabit forever. I, I kind of would like to stay in this blessing right now. And we forfeit that future unseen promise. You know, the plains of Gilead were beautiful, but nothing can compare to the promised land. And that's what these tribes were caught up in. So think about the blessings in our lives right now. Do we have this tendency to interpret God's blessings based on what, you know, whether or not they're complementing our lives right now? Do we interpret these opportunities that God may be trying to present to us and bring about in unconventional ways? All because they may or may not complement our current blessings. Are we possibly surrendering unimaginable opportunities because we're not willing to risk today's blessings? I think that's what it came down to for me with, these, with this renovation at Urban Outreach. Because, you know, like I, I asked John, I'm like, John, what do you want me to preach about? Like, whatever, you know, you, you want me to preach about. And he's like, bro, just whatever, man, just share. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So, but... I think that's part of what this was. Is like God's blessed us, and you know, like I tell people, whatever urban outreach is or isn't, man, it's it's something that is is came from. Well, I told someone, you know, from ground up, and it's like, well, he actually reminded me it came from below ground up because you're in a basement. I'm like, well, good point. So, like, no matter what God is blessing you with, and this is not talking about being reckless in our lives, certainly, but you cannot be unwilling to relinquish that blessing so that God can not give you a bigger, better, pricier blessing. We're not talking like that, but that next challenge, that next adventure with him. After all, life in Jesus should be an adventure. If there was one blessing in your life that has the greatest potential to be an anchor for you, what would it be? And would you be willing to give it up today? See, that's tough. We like our blessings. We like the things God has blessed us with. We get comfortable with them. And we think, well, God, you couldn't possibly want to bless me in a different way or with more or with different, whatever the, the, the blessing may be. But, but could that be possible? Just let's, let's ponder that this morning. Let's think about that together this morning. Could that be possible in our lives? The second lure, they were shackled by security. See, most of us choose a life that's too small for our spirit. I really believe this. Like, I believe everyone on earth has this spirit inside of them that really wants the life of adventure. And I'm not just talking about hiking in the mountains and backpacking and camping and going for days without, you know, a shower or, or you know, like technology. Or I, I'm not talking about just that adventure. That's my preferable adventure. But... Uh, Everyone, I believe, was created with such a spirit of adventure. But that adventure gets buried deeper and deeper into their being because of fear. We're so afraid of being unsafe. 
we're, we just, I would, I would rather not have the view of the summit because I'm afraid of what might happen to me on the hike up. And we let that dominate our thinking. We let that dominate our thoughts. We let it dominate the way we plan our lives. And as a result, our life adventure gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And we, be, we, we at first, that is uncomfortable, but we learn how to accept it. Because in the end, we would rather be safe. And that's a shame. Again, verse 1 the Reubenites and Gadites who had very large herds and flocks saw that the, hands of, the lands of Jazer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. Everybody say suitable. Suitable should be a curse word. Suitable is not a good word. I mean, suitable, suitable is fitting, appropriate, comfortable, and secure. And these tribes made the mistake of thinking that what was comfortable was better than what was uncertain. I can't tell you how much uncertainty there was at the beginning of you know, Urban Outreach Denver. Jamie and I were youth pastors. Life was great. And it was awesome. And then we quit and had no income and had to raise support. And had to start a church in inner city Denver that had not had an Assemblies of God church, we're Assemblies of God U.S. missionaries, and not had an Assemblies of God church for 25 years. And that was daunting. And I got really, that's why I started running, by the way, honestly. A friend of mine pushed me to that because in the first three months, I had started eating terribly, and the stress just got to me. And, but at the same time, we're, we're like, Ah, let's just see what God does, you know? Like, let's just see what God does. And you have to be willing at some point to trade in what you know, what you have, for what is uncertain when you know that it's from God. Yield your wish and desire for safety. Like, like, give, like safety is not really that safe at all. We settle for the comfortable job, the comfortable relationship, the comfortable commitment level. You know what? Some of us sometimes, no one here because, and I'll tell you why, but we even settle for a church that will coddle us instead of challenge us. Right? I mean, we'll settle for that because at least I can still check off the box that says I went to church on Sunday. Meanwhile, whatever church, and there are so many churches out there that are not preaching the word of God. They'll shimmy around the challenging portions of scripture because it might affect attendance or giving. And what they're doing in the process is creating a God who, in, in time of need, is powerless to save. We create our own God because when we have and we're good and everything's fine, we can, we can, we can worship that God. We can be good. We can look up to that God. But man, when life gets real and when life gets tough, we cry out to that God and that God has no power. I always end up talking loudly. I'm sorry. 
Security makes us stop progress. Security distorts our sense of commitment. Um, it makes us addicted to routines, even if those routines are toxic and dysfunctional. Like, honestly, I'm a person, I like routine. I like to know what I need to do. Uh, I think most people probably are to some degree. And then, like, summer comes and school's out and your kids are home all the time. You're like, this is driving me nuts. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I love my children to death, but like all of a sudden your whole routine is thrown into chaos. And it's funny because it's like every year it catches me off guard. Well, I already know summertime's coming and why am I caught off guard? But we like a routine so much that sometimes even though our routine is bad for our lives, we stick to that routine because at least it's a routine. And it might require a lot of effort and discomfort to break out of that routine and get into a new routine. And it distorts our sense of commitment so much so that the Gadites and the, Ru and the Reubenites were contemplating not going into the promised land to at least help their countrymen take the promised land, right? I mean, they were going to not take up arms with their brothers after wandering in the desert with them for 40 years to take the promised land that God had promised them. They considered, like, abandoning that. Like, that is unbelievable. All because... The blessings that they were blinded with were the, the fields that were right in front of them. As a believer, church, now not just as a pastor, not just as a, you know, missionary, but as a believer, as anyone who would identify as a follower of Jesus Christ, our sense of mission must extend beyond our own survival needs. Our mission cannot just be about staying alive, staying, you know, vibrant, like our, our mission must include risk because it, 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 if it doesn't, that means it's only about yourself. It must go beyond your own survival needs. And the third lure, chained by challenge. You see, comfort and security had stolen their, their zest for life, right? Like, Again, going back to the spirit that we all, I, I think, have in us. Like, there's, at some point in our lives, man, we all have this spirit, this adventure that we want to be on with Jesus and, and in life, and, and we want to see things, and, 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 and we have this zest for life, this zeal, and, and, and we want to just conquer it all. And then, all of a sudden, those risks start getting smaller and smaller and smaller. They didn't even want to cross the Jordan River to help their brothers. Challenges become nothing more than a, a, like a, an inconvenience in their life. It's, a, it's annoying. And they run from tomorrow's problems before the, those problems have even approached their life. We, we, we start living in fear so much that, that it dominates our thinking and our planning and our pre-planning. We worry about tomorrow and, and beyond tomorrow today. And if we could worry about it yesterday again, we would. Church, let's be willing to take risks. We have to be willing to take risks. One of the things I, I talk, when I'm talking to like young couples who are uh, wanting to get married and, and they want some counseling and, 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 or just advice, I tell them, listen, you're about to get married. You're about to begin the process of building a life together. You know, 
jobs, advancing in your careers, buying a home, you know, having a family, and all these things. And that's great. That's awesome. But, but, but I tell them, never, never get to a place where you're, where you're not willing to, everything that you've attained, accomplished, or, or collected, to push that to the middle of the table and risk it all for God. Don't ever, don't ever be willing, don't ever be unwilling to do that. God has to remain at the center of it all. I say it like this, it's like, take, take Jesus off of number one on your priority list. And then throw away the list and destroy it. Throw it in the fire. And instead, put Jesus at the center of everything you do. Not first, second, no, no. He has to be central in everything that you do, wherever you go, wherever you are, whoever you're talking to. There's no getting away from it because when you put him on a priority list, you can put, leave the list over here and be a certain person when you're in a different group of people. You can be a different person at work. You can be a different person with family. You can be a different person in different places you go, and you can then come over here and pick up your list again, go to church, check that box, and then you're good again. And that's not the way it works. We have to be willing to push ourselves continually. Last Sunday, last Sunday I come in, and man, homeboy here tells me he ran 15 miles before church. I'm like, man, that's pushing yourself right there. That's pushing yourself, Kyle, right? And you challenged me. I'm like... I've been slipping a little bit. Okay, I need to get back because Kyle, I know he's out there working. I know he's out there working. We have to, like, you're never going to wake up and feel like running 15 miles. Maybe you do. I don't know. You're crazy. But it's like, man, I just really, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so awesome. No, it's like, whew, here we go. Guns, gun show right there. You, it, those don't come naturally, right? You got to work them. Mark's like, why'd you bring me into this, man? I, I personally believe this. This is, this is not thus saith the Lord. This is just me. I personally believe this. I believe we need to like introduce a little bit of pain into our lives every day. I'm not talking about destructive behaviors, but we, I just think, God, we're just, we just love comfort too much. And we need, to, we need to hurt a little bit every day. Not in an unhealthy way. Please hear me. Challenge yourself some, some way, somehow, every day. It doesn't have to be physical exercise. You know, I would advocate for that, but I would say it can be emotional. It can be intellectual. The church as a whole is drastically undereducated. Introduce some kind of pain into your life every day so that, so that it, it, it can serve as the antidote for, for our desire for comfort. And then when you see a challenge come your way, you'll be excited to take it on. I help coach Abraham's baseball team. I'm not the head coach by any means, but I help just, you know, they, I think they just kind of threw me a bone. Here's a t-shirt and a hat and you can, whatever. But like, but even when I was a kid playing baseball, like one of the first things they teach kids, right, is when a grounder's coming to you, what do you do? Charge the ball. Like you don't, you don't just wait for it to get to you and the mean I mean it's like taking forever and it's just dribbling to you and then the runner's running for charge the ball charge the ball charge the ball they say it so much to the point where it becomes just innate you don't you 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 can't think about it you don't have the time to think about it you just that's just your natural reaction even on on those hard ones you probably take it at least a step or two you that that's just natural 
that's how you play the game of baseball. It's so unbelievably fundamental. And in life, we have to have the mentality. There has to be someone in our lives, something in our lives, telling us, reminding us, charge into your challenges. Charge into those problems. Charge into life. Charge into it. Everyone knows who plays baseball. If you, if you start backing up, that ball is going to eat you up. It's going to take a bounce. It's going to make you look foolish. Charge into it. You see, Christians should be showing the world how to live life. How to live a life of adventure. Not just church-related life. Because let me tell you, that is such a small slice of the pie. I put a Facebook post out this last week. Jamie got a little upset at me. I love my wife so much. Because I was challenged. I was put off. I was concerned. I had a conversation with, with a, a man downtown this last week that said some things that, honestly, they hurt, but some of them were true. Some of the things he said about, about the church, some of the things he said about Christians, some of the things he said about pastors, some of the things he said that, honestly, I couldn't, I had to, I had to agree with him. A guy that hates Christians, a guy that hates the church. And the thought that I had was, was we get so, like, excited about the things we're doing in our churches, and we should not stop that. Meanwhile, there is a lot going on out in the world while we are patting ourselves on the back about things that honestly aren't very important in the kingdom of God. They're important to us in our church lives, in our church circles, and, in, and, and all those types of things. But as far as advancing the kingdom, winning the, I mean, the abject lost for Jesus, they're not really moving the needle. Church, we have to be willing to march off the map. That's the life of faith in Jesus. Being willing to venture into uncharted territory. If we don't take risk, we don't grow. If we don't grow, we stop pleasing God. And if we cannot, and if we don't uh, live life that way, we will find ourselves living outside of His will. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not difficult, impossible. In other words, as we start secluding ourselves, and hiding behind safety, hiding behind, you know, like just filtering God's opportunities and blessings through present blessings or past blessings. And, and, and our daily routine, our daily life no longer requires faith. You're not pleasing God. I'm not pleasing God. It pertains to me just as well. That if our daily life resembles that of an unbeliever, from the standpoint of it doesn't require faith and trust in God. Not just, oh, you're living a life of sin, but it's just the way that we have structured our lives, that there's no faith required. Guess what? We're not pleasing God. That's tough to hear. So let's ask God to give us a challenge that's a few sizes too big so that we have no choice but to trust in him. 
Okay, the fourth and final thing. Restrained by relationships. So if you notice Numbers chapter 32, verse 1, you, uh, we've been talking about this, the Reubenites and the Gadites. Then if you flip to the end of the chapter in verse 33, it says, Then Moses gave to the Gadites, the Reubenites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. In other words, this was spreading among the tribes. At first it was just Reuben and Gad who wanted to stay outside the promised land. Then by the end of chapter 32 of Numbers, now it's half of the tribe of Manasseh also wanted to stay outside the promised land. There was a toxicity in the camp. It was spreading. It was growing. It was contagious. You see, when the Israelites wandered in the desert and they set camp, they set up camp, they didn't just kind of randomly, it wasn't, it wasn't no dispersed camping up in, you know, national forest. It wasn't like that. It's like there was the tabernacle and then north, east, south, and west, it was uh, three tribes, three tribes, three tribes, three tribes. Reuben and Gad were on the south of the tabernacle, and Manasseh was on the west of the tabernacle. So they were in proximity to each other. And so you can imagine them talking, like after whatever they did, Moses finished reading the scroll or whatever, then he's like, hey, man, let's go check it out. Dude, these fields are pretty dope. So we're going to talk to Moses. Maybe you can get your homeboys, some of them over here. We're going to talk to Moses, and we're going to just lay it down like we want to stay on this side of the Jordan. Are you down with that? Come on, man, I know you're down. He's like, man, I don't know. I got to check, man. He's like, he's trying to front, but he's like, man, I don't know. And then finally, they lure half of the whole tribe to stay outside of the promised land. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm wandering for 40 years in the desert and we're finally at the, the precipice, the cusp of taking, it, taking that promise, there's nothing you can do to stop me. I'm going in. There's nothing you can but, but you see, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual thing. We demand less and less of ourselves. We expect less and less from God. Why? Because we don't need God to move in a big way in our lives. Because remember, because if we're living life this way, our life don't, doesn't require much faith. So we don't need God as much because we're kind of good on our own. Our life is faithless. We're not pleasing God. He's not pleased with us because we're not living a life of faith. We expect less and less because we need less and less from God when we live our lives that way. Be careful who you hang around with. Like, be, like hang around with people that you notice that after people have talked to them, those people are happy, that they're smiling, that they've been lifted up, that they've been encouraged. And you know what? Then you decide, and I need to decide to be that kind of a person, that when I talk to people, they leave the conversation feeling good about themselves. Now, look, the context of a friendship, the context of a relationship will grant you the permission to speak truth into someone's life even when they don't want to hear it. But first, you have to cultivate the friendship. Like, there are good friends that I have. I'm going to give it to them real, and I know they're going to get mad at me, but they're my friend, and that's just how it is. You can't just charge up to somebody, you know, and, and just say, man, the Lord told me that you need to do this, 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 because you're living in sin. It doesn't work that way. Cultivate the relationship. Cultivate the friendship, right? That way, as you're giving life, you're speaking encouragement, man, when there's, when there's times that when we trip up, because we all trip up, then you have, you've earned the right to speak into their life. And people have earned the right to speak into your life. Because there's times we need to hear it. 
but we're all in this together. But let's choose our friends carefully. Let's determine now how we're going to handle contamination. In other words, make the decision now how you're going to handle when someone comes up to you and wants to gossip about somebody else. Decide now what you're going to say to them. First of all, you should check yourself because I need, and I should check myself if someone feels comfortable coming up to me to gossip about somebody else. But decide now how we will handle it. Make sure that our relationships are strategically aligned with the kind of people who can help you get where God wants you to be spiritually. What I want to say is, profoundly from the depths of our heart, thank you for the way you surround us with love, support, friendship. You always include us in all the stuff that's going on here at Hill City Church. We need, we need that. It's so fun to see you guys show up on Thursday nights, ready to serve, bring a fridge, build walk-in coolers. Eric showed up yesterday, helped paint. Like, it's fun. It's fun to do life together and do things together that, that make an eternal difference. And let's not, let's not underestimate how spiritual the practical things are. They're very spiritual in nature. They're very powerful. And let's challenge ourselves to allow ourselves to be challenged by God. Never settling for mediocrity. Being committed to excellence in the name of Jesus. Can we pray? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for the way you surround us with your love, your protection. Lord, it's not wrong to desire safety. It's not wrong to desire a good and productive routine. It's, those things aren't wrong in and of themselves. But help us to be motivated, to be willing to risk it all, which is only a perception on our end, because there's no risk in you. So help us to be willing to risk it all when we, when we know that you've called us to do something that may be risky. After seeking godly counsel, after wrestling with it in prayer, but if we know that you're speaking to us and asking us to do something that makes us feel uncomfortable, God, just help us to do it. Help us to realize we'll never look back and regret anything we've done for you. It'll never happen. And God, I recognize this morning that the first step in that process is opening up our heart to you. So Jesus, if there's anyone here today that needs to make a, com a life commitment to you, I pray you give them the strength to open up their heart to you and make you the Lord of their life. To begin this wonderful life of adventure that, that is life in you. Because you're the life giver himself. You are the life giver. You give us life. You teach us how to live a life of just vibrant joy and adventure. And help us to take that with us wherever we go, encouraging people motivating people to give you a chance because if people give you a chance they will realize what we have realized here that you are great you are good and you are for us and you have the best at heart and in mind for us in the name of Jesus amen amen God bless you church thank you so much God bless thank you Isaac wasn't that good I took a bunch of notes on my iPhone, which is super lame, but they're really good notes. 
I just, man, just as you, as you walk out, and we'll, we'll close here, um, I just want to repeat those points one more time, man. You know, you said never settle for mediocrity. I love when you said walk off the map. Um, but, you know, not to be blinded by our blessings. Amen. That's hard. That's hard. That's probably one of the hardest ones to me, especially in this culture. Uh, to not be shackled by our security. Uh, number three, to not be chained by challenge. And lastly, not be restrained by relationships that are maybe unhealthy to us or ones that are even good, that we can have those relationships that are strategically aligning with God's plan for our life. So as you guys go out, uh, I think it aligns a little bit too, even as that big sign as you walk out, and I think it aligns nice with some of our mission this year is bold moves, is to, to, to take risks, to take challenges. And they don't have to be huge, right? It's not like you got to, you know, get, fly to the moon. I know that's metaphorically speaking, <laughs> Right? We're not asking for huge things, but you guys know what that's in your life. You know what bold means in your own life. You know what a challenge is. And to God, it's all about taking that steps and, and having that faith. So God bless you guys. Talk to someone. Get to know them. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Amen? Amen. God bless you.